but I thought it might better not and stuff. I tell you, I am horrible with uh, catchphrases. If I hear something I say, and I hear a catchphrase, I, I wanna, I'm just going to say it. And our lead pastor, when we're staff meeting, it's not necessarily always a good thing to say a catchphrase, especially when it's a serious moment. And every time I hear pray, I got to think of this, I think of this MC Hammer song. You've got to pray, you've got to pray, you've got to make it today. You know, but in so many ways, you know, this song, it's, it's fun. And then I pulled up the video. If you ever get a chance, pull a video up. It's kind of funny and, and goofy and stuff. It's like they got cheerleaders in church, you know, doing all this other things. But man, I just, I just love it. So anytime I hear the word prayer, I think of this song or I hear uh, uh, George Michael's song, um, prayer you know and so it's uh i got these catchphrases in my mind and this is one of them but i think prayer you know is something that's been it's very distorted you know it's something that you know, how should i pray you know it's very important to us as a christian life you know if someone would came up to me and say hey donnie I, you know i just asked christ in my life i'm now a christ follower what should i do and so there are a few things i would say that you need to do you know number one you need to get baptized because what that does, that tells everyone in the world, everyone that you know, that you are a Christ follower. Number two, start reading your Bible. Whether it's a verse or a chapter or a page or whatever it is, start reading your Bible daily. Then I would tell you, start going to church. Go to church weekly. Get involved. Get active. Volunteer. Start serving. Go to a church that believes Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And get connected there. Then another thing I would say to tithe, oh, he's talking about money. But man, it's a biblical principle to start tithing. Giving 10% of your income, and here's why. That is the first steps in your faith as growing as a Christian. Believing that Jesus Christ is going to take care of you financially, take care of your family, take care of your life. Then the next thing I would say is pray. Pray. What exactly is prayer? It's something that can be abstract, you know, it's, it's something in the Bible we really don't have. Okay, this is how you pray. You do this, 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 this. You know, it's not like tithing. We know tithing is a tenth of our income. It's very clear. It's very cut. This is what we should do. But praying, it's kind of abstract. You're praying to God. He's, you don't see God. I mean, we know that He's there. You believe that He's there, and you believe that He's here in your prayer by faith. But to pray... It's kind of hard because we've got several examples of that, you know, throughout the Bible, you know, with with David's prayer, prayers throughout Psalms. We see the Lord's prayer. We see God. We see Jesus's prayer the night before he's crucified. And I knew in my own life as a kid growing up, I went to, to a small church where just me and my brothers were the only youth group there. So there weren't many people there. But there was this man named Charlie Kirk. And man, he loved the Lord. And I loved it when, when the pastor would call him and say, Charlie, close us in prayer. And man, he'd stand up and he'd start praying. And he prayed like God was right there. And he was praying and tears were falling from his eyes. And he would start pounding the wooden pew. And you could tell he was in love with God. But what is prayer? And I began to think, man, I can never pray like, like uh, Mr. Kirk. I couldn't, I couldn't pray like that. Because I don't know when to use the Hallowoods be thy name. I don't know when to use the these. I don't know when to use the thou's. I get those mixed up. And so today, I want to be able to help you a little bit in understanding prayer. Because I do believe there's a lot of confusion, you know, about prayer. You know, like I'm, I'm praying for the Redskins, especially Thursday night. You know, they got stomped pretty bad. You know, so I pray for the Redskins. 
You know, or I could play for my, my fantasy team in football. One league I'm doing well at, the other team I'm stinking at. You know, there are all sorts of things to pray about. You know, I pray for my car. You know, my transmission's about to conk out, I'm praying for my car. God help us with this car. You know, so there are all sorts of things to pray about. And so today I want to dig in a little deeper and talk about prayer. I want to set the stage first with you on some things about prayer, what prayer is, when should I pray, how should I pray. And then the last I want to nail at home, and these are the steps that help me to pray during hard times. How do I pray when troubles come? So in your bulletin, there's sermon notes. I'd like if you'll follow along with me and take some good notes today. And I promise I won't say any more catchphrases. I'll try my best. But James 5, 13 through 20. James is in the New Testament Bible. Here's what I do with the river kids. So I want the river kids to know the basics. I'll say, okay, now, how many books in the Bible are they? Anybody? How many books in the Bible? Anybody? How many books, Mike? How many books in the Bible? Very good. Now, how many parts in the Bible? How many parts of the Bible are they? Anybody? Anybody? Kyle, you know this. How many parts in the Bible? There's two parts. That's right. And then there's what? What are the two parts, anybody? Glenn, give me one of the parts. Old Testament, very good. And what's the other one? What's the other one, Taria? Tara? New Testament, that's exactly right. And James is in the New Testament of the Bible. And so we're reading from James in the New Testament because I think the kids should know what books and what part of the Bible it's in. So James 5, 13 through 20. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns his sinner from the errors of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sin. And so we have, we have prayer. Mentioned several times throughout this passage that we read. James was the half-brother of Jesus who wrote this wrote this book, who wrote this letter. And James was known to be a man of prayer. He was known to be a man of prayer so much that he had knots on his knees. And so by that, they called him James the Camel Knees. And so James the Camel Knees is instructing us on how to pray, on where to pray, or what we should pray for. And so my first point is, so when should we pray? In your notes, when should we pray? James was instructing us, number one, I should pray when I am hurting emotionally. I should pray when I am hurting emotionally. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Have you ever had trouble? Have you ever had trouble in your life? Have you ever had hardships in your life? Have you ever had stress in your life? Then you should pray. That's a great time to pray. And that's what James is instructing us to do. David in Psalms 18.6 says, In my distress, I call upon the Lord. In my distress, I call upon the Lord. David is right here saying, In my distress, I call upon the Lord. When the bottom is falling out, 
when I'm at a dead-end job and I just, don't, I just don't know if I could go back to work. Or you might have lost your job and you didn't know what's going on. Or your kids, you're struggling with your kids and, and, and things just can't seem to be right. Or you're struggling in your marriage or you're struggling in your finances. David said to pray in my distress. If you read the book of Psalms, you see that David prayed a lot. But the one thing I love about David is, man, you see someone who is just laying his emotions out there. You see a man who, who is really struggling with anger, who is really struggling with heart, who is really struggling with fear, and there are times that he's all but yelling at God. And yet in Acts, he's calling man after God's own heart. And so what God is wanting us to do, if you're hurting emotionally, if your emotions are wrong, and you're wearing your emotions on your sleeves, and all you could do is just cry. Put it before God. He doesn't care. If you're angry and you're frustrated and things just can't go right and, and all you can think of bad things, put it out there before God. Because honestly, He's the only one that really can handle it. And that's what He's asking us to do. You know, when those things are caving in around us and we're so angry and we're bitter and we're frustrated, God is asking us to pray. Bring it to Him. And so when we're struggling emotionally and we're distressed and things are not turning out right and our life just seems to be upside down, God is saying, bring it to me. I want to know about it. I want to hear your heart. I want to hear your prayer. I want to help you. And so when should I pray is when I'm emotionally distressed. But also on the flip side in James 5, 12, it says, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. And so don't just pray in the bad times. Don't pray in, in the horrible times. But also pray when you're happy too. Sing when you're happy too. Now, you don't want to hear me singing. You know, I wanna, I'm not going to be up here on stage with Jeremy and the band and sing. I want to be somewhere else. But Jesus, God is, or James is instructing us, hey, you know, call on God when it's hard. Call on God when you're hurting. Call on God when you're emotionally distressed. But don't forget about Him when things are going good too. Praise Him for those things. Thank Him for those things. God, I thank You for my job. I thank You for being my provider and my source of income, and You do that through my job. God, I thank You for my wife. She works hard to provide a stable home. I thank You for her. God, I thank You for my kids. Man, sometimes they just, they just get in my hair, which not my hair, more my wife's hair, but just thank You for my kids. You know, they're awesome. They, we have so much fun together. They're healthy. Thank You for my kids. So don't be afraid to praise God in the good times too. Because sometimes we only remember God in the bad times. So remember Him in the good times as well. When should I pray? When I'm hurting emotionally and when I'm hurting physically. When I am hurting physically. Verse 14 through 15 says, Is any one of you sick? He should call on the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil. Now this word oil, I know some of you north of the Mason-Dixon line might not understand that. It may be oil for you, like Mike, but I call it oil, so that's what I mean. And so, oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Now here's the thing that he is using here with sick. He's not talking about a post-nasal drip. You know, he's not talking about heartburn or indigestion or anything like that. He's talking about death. Because this word that he's using here with death is the same word that was used with Lazarus. Le uh, one of Jesus' best friends, Lazarus, was sick 
and he died. Then we read about a person named Dorcas in the Bible. Man, I'd be praying for that person too if I was named Dorcas. God, it's like being a boy named Sue, right? And so but this person, Dorcas, became sick and they died. And so the word sick here is used to the reference to death is close. Death is knocking on the door. And so that's when the time that we should pray. We should pray because death is coming up at the door. Now here's there's some misunderstandings about sickness. Uh, when I was a, a youth pastor, the first church that I went to be a youth pastor at was in Youngstown, Ohio. Right out of college. I knew it all. I had, I, you couldn't teach me nothing because I just came out of college and I had a degree to show you that I knew it all. Well, the first three people I went to visit in the hospital, they died. And you want to talk about messing with you, being a young guy, uh, thinking that you knew it all, and the people that you go visit in the hospital die? They stopped asking me to do hospital visits, you know, almost. But I didn't have a good understanding of sickness. I didn't have a good grasp of what really sickness is and stuff. And so what I want to do, I want to look at three items, three things about sickness. The Bible says the, the, the first thing about sickness is that sickness is for death. Sickness is for death. Now, of these three things we're going to talk about, this to me seems a little logical. Because the thing is, God doesn't want us to live forever. Our bodies are not designed for us to live forever. And so the sickness, it's mentioned in 1 John 5.16. It's also mentioned in John 11.4. And this kind of sickness is the one that allows us to die and to be taken on to heaven. That's the kind of sickness that God uses. God uses this sickness to, to go up into heaven with Him. And a lot of people out there think, oh, if you had all this faith, if you have all this faith, you, you, you will never die. But see, our bodies are not made to live on this earth forever. This earth is not made for us to live in it forever. So there's, God uses sickness to take us home to be with Him in heaven. And there's a second kind of sickness. The sickness for discipline. A sickness for discipline. God uses sickness to correct His people. God will use sickness to correct His people. Paul was writing to the Corinthians, and the Corinthians was abusing the Lord's Supper. They were out of God's will. And so Paul had to instruct them, hey, you're sick because you're out of God's will, and you're not doing what He says. We also see it with Adam and Eve. They sinned. They didn't listen to God. And because of that, as a result, there would be pain in childbearing. As a result of that, man would have to till the earth and work the ground. Because of that sickness, that sickness God used to, to correct them. And then throughout the whole Old Testament, we see the cycles of the Jews, the Israelites, God's people. God would bless them and they would serve God. They would be excited. And after a while of blessings, they think that they could do it on their own. And then they'd forget about God. And then, and then God would send sickness. He would send disease. He would send war. He'd send famine to turn their hearts back to God. So God uses sickness for discipline. And then last, there's a third kind of sickness that is used for the glory of God. For the glory of God. And honestly, of all these three, these are the ones I struggle with the most. Because we all believe, I, you know, I believe that God is a loving God. God is a caring God. God is a compassionate God. And so he's, if he's a loving God, if he's a caring God, if he's a compassionate God, why would he allow sickness? Why would he allow pain? Why would he allow hurt? Why would he allow suffering? 
No, sometimes it's for the glory and for the purpose of God. Sometimes it's because we just live in a fallen world and those things happen. But we see here in John eleven four a man who was blind and he comes up to Jesus. And people ask him, mainly his disciples, Jesus, why is this man blind? Who sinned? Was it his parents that sinned or was it him that sinned? And he said, no one sinned. He is sick for the glory of God. And God healed him. And then he went and told everyone about the praises of God. So who else to sing the praises and the glory of God than someone who has been healed? And so those are, those are the mindset I want you to have about sickness. Because I think that builds a, a foundation for us. I think that builds a foundation for us to remember about sickness. You know, that not all of us are going to get healed. That there's a purpose in sickness. You know, one of the, maybe one of the three purposes is to bring glory to God. Maybe it's for discipline. Maybe, maybe it's just to take us home. And so we need to understand that there may be three purposes in sickness. And so with this, there are also some misconceptions about healing and about sickness. One of them, and these are in your notes, it's sensationalist group. It's a sensationalist group. And it is hard for me not to make a mockery of this. I call this the Viva Las Vegas Preachers. The bright light city going to set my soul, going to set my soul on fire. They're all about the bright lights, all about the fame, they're all about the popularity. And they have these big gatherings to bring all these people in, and they make all these uh, uh, claims and everything, and they're doing all these things. They say, everybody come down if you want to be healed, and they're on camera, and they're doing these things. You see, I can be mockery about this, and I struggle with this, because I've been part of a denomination that the extremists of this denomination did this. And I've seen people hurt by this and when you look in the bible when you see jesus when he heals he never gathered people together and said, hey everybody come here watch this he didn't do that he took them one-on-one where they're at and say hey you know your faith has healed you you believed in me you made the effort you're healed and then in that those people went out to spread the news that i, I was blind but now I see I was lame, but now I walk. My arm was gimp, and now I can use it. It was those people. So Jesus didn't bring everybody in to do this. Next is the ignore it group. I call the ignore it group. Or the the confessionalist group. And what they say, I've seen a lot of people hurt by this. Ah, just ignore it. If you claim that you're sick, that you're going to be sick. If you say that you're going to be, be hurting, you're going to be hurting. Just ignore it. Just say, hey, I'm not sick. Hey, everything's fine. I'm good. But that's not true. Because in doing that, then you forget the three things that we've mentioned about of sickness. Sickness for the glory of God. Sickness to take us home. And sickness for discipline. And so if you ignore those things, then you never really deal with the issue that's going on in your life. If you ignore those things, you, you could cause a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. I had a friend who was really sick and suffering and people just kept coming to him. Oh, you just don't have enough faith. You don't, you don't have enough faith. You've got something going on in your life. You've got sin in your life. You just, don't have, you, just, you just don't believe God enough. And this person was one of the most godliest people that I know. Could you imagine the guilt that that could bring on someone when you start telling someone that, oh, you're just not right? Job in the book of the Bible, was one of the most righteous men who ever lived. He lost it all. And there were friends that came up to him and said, Job, you got some sin in your life. 
a time when he needed the help the most, there were people in his life saying, ah, oh, you've got sin in your life. Ah, oh, you're just not living right for God. Then what happens? That brings guilt. That brings condemnation. It says in 1 Peter 5.19, those who suffer according to the will of God. So there will be people who will suffer. And it will be God's will. And it's hard to accept that sometimes. But the problem is, false doctrine always creates false guilt. And that false doctrine will lead people away from God. Then also, there's the realist view. The realist view. This is James' view, I believe. And we see that he said, you recognize two facts. One fact is that God does heal. God does heal. There's healing that takes place, and God's heal. God will heal. God can heal. But in fact, number two, not everybody gets healed. Not everybody gets healed. And if you don't get healed, that doesn't mean that you don't have faith. If you don't get healed, that doesn't mean that your heart's not right. If you don't get healed, that doesn't mean that you got some hidden sin. It just means it might not be in God's will at that time. And so moving on, let's look at James uh, 14. I think this is very important right here. And it says, if anyone among you is sick, let them call on the elders of the church to pray. And so what this does, it implies that you need to belong to a body. You need to belong to a church. You need to belong to a group of people who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died for our sins and raised again. In the Bible, there's no such thing as people who move from this place to this place to this place to this place. In the Bible, there's no such thing as um, disconnected Christians. Everyone belongs to the body. When you're a Christian, find a body, find a church to belong to. And then when times come that are hard, when you need help, when you need healing, when you need people to come along the side of you, when you need people to come and pray for you, you call your church. I love this about Rocky River Church. Man, I, I love it because I hear all the time when there are problems going on. You know, you call, your, you call your local group, you call the people inside the church, and, and they'll come and bring meals, they'll come and pray for you. I've, you know, I've had a time where I, where I got hurt and people came and mowed my yard. And it was awesome, and that's what the local church does. You call the people of your church to come together to pray for you, to help you, to encourage you, to minister to you. And then you do these in the name of the Lord. So that Rocky River Church doesn't receive the credit. So that you don't receive the credit, but because the Lord receives the credit. Then the result and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up and his sins will be forgiven. Now, Rocky River Church here, you know, rarely do we um, go to see, we just don't get many requests to go see people in the home. We do most of it going to the hospital. We do a lot of hospital visits. I enjoy doing that. Um, not when I first started doing it, when people were dying when I go see them. But now, I got a better track record. It's got a little bit better with that and stuff. But I enjoy doing that. And I see some awesome things that have happened over the years. You know, I see a man who was in an accident that nobody thought he was going to make it out. Nobody. And we prayed for him. And ten days later, he went home. You know, I've been in hospice care where I went to see someone. And I'm like, my goodness gracious, this person is, is not going to make it. And we prayed with them. And a few days later, they went home. I was shocked. Jimmy, 
On Christmas Eve, our last Christmas Eve before we moved into the building here, Jimmy went to visit someone on Christmas Eve who had cancer. He went, talked to them, and they asked Jesus into their heart. And then they were one of the first part of the first baptisms we had here at the church. And it was awesome. But then a couple months later, he passed away. He went home. That too is a testimony. You know, so sometimes it's hard to explain. You know, we'll pray for you. We believe that God will do things. And sometimes we'll have to humbly accept God's will. It's okay, God, this is your will. And so the Bible says, when I hurt emotionally, I ought to pray. When I hurt physically, I ought to pray. And then number three, when I hurt spiritually, I ought to pray. I ought to pray when I hurt spiritually. We see that here. James says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You know, I've seen a lot of churches that have, um, that do this confessionless thing. Like, okay, now, say, oh, you over there, stand up, confess your sin. You know, oh, you over here, come stand up, confess your sin. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about if you've wronged someone, go to that person and confess your sin. If, if, if you, you just have a habit of lying, you know, confess that and work on that. If you have a problem with doing this, then you need to confess that and work on that. And what I have in my life, I, had a, I have a group of, of guys that, that I'm accountable to. I'll talk to. They, they know the websites that I look at. They, uh, they keep me accountable and they pay attention. Hey, Donnie, you know what? That wasn't good. You know, hey, Donnie, you shouldn't have said that. Hey, Donnie. And so these guys help to keep me on track. I got one guy that we talk once a week. And at the end of the conversation, he prays for me and I pray for him. Because that helps me to confess my sin. That helps me to keep my heart pure. That helps me to be honest. To make sure that I am living right. And so therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It's in God's power to heal everybody. But not everybody will be healed. Maybe the healing will be going to heaven. And sometimes that's hard. But I'm telling you, maybe the healing will be going to heaven. But we're instructed to confess, to talk, to share. And believe me, pretending to be perfect causes more stress and tension in your life. When you take it out of the darkness and bring it to the light, there's a transformation that happens. An honesty and a purity that begins to take place in your heart. So when should I pray? When I'm hurting emotionally, when I'm hurting physically, and when I'm hurting spiritually. So who can pray? Who can pray? You know, I could look at Mr. Kirk and say, man, I just don't sure if I could pray, if I could pray like that. I, I'm not sure that, that I, 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 could, I could get up there and stand and cry and, and pound the poo and say, thee, how blessed be your name and those things. I'm not sure that I can be like that. James talks about a man named Elijah. He said, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. He prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Here we are. We have a man named Elijah. He's a prophet of God, and he's coming together. And the Israel at the time, uh, Ahab and Jezebel, they're the, they're the rulers. Really, Jezebel was the ruler. And so they had these prophets of, um, for Baal who were false prophets, and there were 400 of them. you got this one man named Elijah. And Elijah is standing on Mount Carmel, and he said, okay, let's prove. Let's see who is God's better. Let's see who's God's more powerful. Let's see who is the real and true God. 
So what we're going to do, we're going to take a big cow, we're going to take a big bull, we're going to cut them in half, we're going to lay them on the altar, we're going to build this altar of wood, and we're going to stack it high. And then whosoever God brings down fire first is a true God. And so, hey, uh, prophets of Baal, why don't you guys go first? So they went first, they started going, oh, they're praying. And then they kept going an hour after an hour and after an hour, nothing was happening. And then they got, started getting all more anxious and they started cutting themselves, um, using cutting themselves, mutilating their bodies and stuff with their glory of their God. And started doing all these things and nothing was happening. And all the time, Elijah's, hey, where's your God? Is he dead? <laughs> Laughing and making fun of him. He says, hey, where's your God? And he, he uses... Um, crude humor here, but he says, is he in the bathroom? <laughs> you know, where is your God? And then nothing, nothing happening. Elijah says, okay, it's my turn. Here's what we're going to do. Go get some water and pour it on the altar. What? You're supposed to, the fire's supposed to burn this up and stuff. Go get some water and pour it on the altar. So we ain't got water. I do it again. And pour more water. Go do it again. They did that seven times. And so this water now is saturated with water. And this water is saturated with water. Now it's supposed to burn up. Then Elijah prayed. And fire came down from heaven. And burned up everything. It burned up the cow. It burned up the altar. It even says the flames licked up the water. And so right then Elijah said, my God is a true God. And then he killed the 400 prophets. Pretty awesome. A man like us? You think that's a man like us? Hmm. Let's see what happens here. Then Jezebel... The queen, the queen bee, she got mad and got angry. And Elijah heard that she was angry and he ran. He ran to the other side of the desert. He was afraid. He was lonely. And then we see in, in, in James, not James, but in Kings, where he started to, to get upset and he started to pray. And it, God, I, why have you forsaken me? God, you know, I, I just don't understand why, God, you know, God, why? And he started struggling with bitterness and loneliness and angry, angerness and anxiety. But yet James used him as an example of someone who can pray. Have you ever struggled with bitterness? Have you ever struggled with anxiety? Have you ever struggled with um, anger? Hurt? Betrayal? Loneliness? Elijah did. And yet James is saying, this is who can pray. Anyone who has struggled with these things can pray. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter that you can call fire down from heaven. But if you struggle with these things, if you hurt emotionally... If you hurt physically, if you, if you hurt spiritually, then you can pray. So who can pray? You can pray. And then this is how you pray effectively. This is how you pray effectively. Number one, I must ask. I must ask. That's simple. I must ask. You know, a lot of times we get, we, we're afraid, we're too humble to ask things for ourselves. You know, God... You know, I pray that you bless this person, this person, this person. God bless my food. You know, those things are good. But I must ask. Be direct. Ask. James 4.2 says, You do not have because you ask not. Be specific. Be intentional about your prayer. Number two, have the right motives. Have the right motives. When you ask, 
you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, it says in James. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. God, I need more money. Give me more money, God, because I need a bigger house. God, give me more money because I need a, I need a, a newer car. God, give me more money. Those are not the right motives. So when you ask, ask in the right motives. Number three, a clean life. A clean life. James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now here's the thing, that righteousness, the prayer of a righteous man, that can be kind of intimidating. But here's the thing, if you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, if you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, you are a righteous person. It's not righteousness is not reserved for someone like Jimmy or or me or the Pope. Righteousness is for everyone who has asked Jesus into your heart and you call yourself a Christian. So you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Could you imagine how many prayers would be answered if you had to be perfect? All of mine would be answered course that's a joke none of mine would be answered so you don't have to be perfect what you have to do is to have a heart to God Proverbs 28 9 says he that turneth his back from the hearing of the law even his prayers would not be would be an abomination to have a heart toward God listen to his laws live his laws in Isaiah 5 uh, 59.2 says, Your sins have separated you between your God and your sins has hid His face so He cannot hear you. Because your sins keep you from God. So you've got to confess them with your brothers and sisters. We're confessing with the group like I have. I confess mine with my wife. I'm all the time confessing to my wife because I want to have a pure marriage. But confess them. Keep a pure and open heart. And then number four, ask in faith. Ask in faith. James 1.6 says, But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. And so here's the thing. Ask in faith. Prayer can be kind of intimidating. But just start. You know, I started going to this, uh, this new gym. And when I walked in there, oh my gosh, it was Hans and Franz in there. Uh, we're here to a pump. You up. You know, they're big and buff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. And it's a nine-round boxing gym. We do everything like Rocky does, except we're chasing chicken. And so we're standing there, and they've got this round punching bag. And I, I, I'm learning. When I first in there, I'm like, one, you know, and I couldn't get it. And you got this guy right here yelling, come on, you can do it, you can do it. I can't want it for you, you got to want it. And so I'm trying to punch it, and I can't miss it. And I go again, and then they're playing music, and my mind is on music. And it was really, it was Bon Jovi living on prayer of all things. And I'm like, Oh, oh, living, and I couldn't get it to save my life. And this guy's yelling at me. I'm trying to sing at the same time. And I'm trying to punch the bag. You know, and you got all these things going on around you and stuff. You know, and I'm into my fourth week now. I could go one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, and I could get it now. But I can't go. But I didn't start out doing one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. It took me three weeks to get to doing that. And I hope to be able to get You know, it's like my kids. If you've got kids, you know what it's like. You know, Michael Ding's seven years old. He, didn't, he wasn't born walking. It's like Sadie Rose. She's 15 months old. 
she wasn't born talking. There's got to be a point where you start. Just start. With Sadie Rose, she's afraid to let go. She could, she could all but walk. She could walk around this whole place if there's a chair. But we just, we just can't get her to let go. It's time for her to walk. Just like it's time for you to pray. Especially if you call yourself a Christian. Because that's one of the greatest privileges we have. To talk to the creator of the world. That's not to intimidate us. That's to tell you we've got that privilege. And if there's anything that can be done through God's power, can be done through prayer. And so that's why prayer is important. Because it's a trust and it's relying on God. It's trusting God that He hears you and He does. It's trusting God that He's going to take care of it and He may. You may need to grow through it to make you a stronger person. So what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to ask you to stand. And honestly, I have been trying to rack my brain on how to make you have a response and stuff, and I can't. The only thing I can think of is maybe you take a baby step right now. As they pray, by your, or as they play the music, bow your head and close your eyes. And the first thing that pops into your head, pray for it. Whether it's your marriage, pray for it. Whether it's your car, pray for it. Whether it's your job or your finances, whatever it is, just pray for it. And then do that daily. Let's try it. God, I thank you for the privilege to talk to you. You want us to talk to you. You want us to communicate to you. And so I pray that you would help us. That what I spoke here today was clearly and effective. And that we can apply it to our lives. That no matter what we're going through, if it's stress or tension in our life, that we can talk to you about it. If it's goodness and blessings and happiness, that we can talk to you about it. I pray they'll become part of our daily life, our daily routine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.